European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 8, Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Air and noise pollution and socioeconomic status, the risk factors individuals cannot change. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains the special article The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine 2020, Epidemiology and Prevention, authored by Ramon Esruc from the University of Barcelona in Spain and colleagues. The authors note that cardiovascular disease, or CVD, prevention has been classically divided into primary, aimed to asymptomatic subjects, and secondary, aimed to patients who have already suffered a cardiovascular event. But currently this classification is considered arbitrary given the overlap observed, for example in diabetic patients. Thus prevention measures may be better divided into prevention at the population level and prevention strategies in subjects with high vascular risk. In the current paper, the authors review relevant contributions to CVD prevention published in 2020. Estruc et al. have also included reference to relevant articles related to cardiorenal syndrome and the common pathways of cancer and CVD, as well as new aspects of cardiac disease due to COVID-19 infection. Coronary heart disease, or CHD, is a leading cause of death globally, responsible for greater than 8.9 million deaths and 165 million disability-adjusted life years in 2017. While traditional risk factors account for a substantial proportion of CHD, the importance of environmental risk factors, such as ambient air pollution and nighttime noise, are increasingly recognised. In a clinical research article entitled Outdoor Light at Night and Risk of Coronary Heart Disease Amongst Older Adults, a Prospective Cohort Study, Shang Zi Sun from the University School of Public Health in Boston, Massachusetts, USA and colleagues estimated the association between outdoor light at night at the residence and risk of CHD within a prospective cohort of older adults in Hong Kong. Over a median of 11 years of follow-up, the authors identified 3,772 incidents of CHD hospitalization and 1,695 CHD deaths. Annual levels of outdoor light at night at participants' residential addresses were estimated using time-varying satellite data for a composite of persistent nighttime illumination. The association between light at night and incident CHD hospitalization and mortality exhibited a monotonic exposure response function. An interquartile range increase in outdoor light at night was associated with a hazard ratio of 1.11, 95% confidence interval, 1.03, 1.18 for CHD hospitalization and a hazard ratio of 1.10, 95% confidence interval, 1.00, 1.22 for CHD deaths after adjusting for both individual and area-level risk factors. The association did not vary across strata of hypothesized risk factors. The authors conclude that among older adults, outdoor light at night at the residence is associated with a higher risk of CHD hospitalization and deaths. They caution against causal interpretation of these novel findings. 
Future studies with more detailed information on exposure, individual adaptive behaviours and potential mediators are warranted to further examine the relationship between light at night and CHD risk. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Thomas Munzel and colleagues from the University Medical Centre Mainz in Germany. The authors note that currently the public interest and efforts in addressing the health burden of environmental stressors have increased significantly and our societies are becoming more and more aware of the impact of the environment on health and disease. More effective policies and prevention strategies that adequately strengthen these efforts are needed to reduce the burden of disease imposed by environmental risk factors such as light, air and noise pollution. A meta-analysis performed for the new WHO noise guidelines considered all studies published until 2015 and reported that the risk of CHD increases by 8% per 10 dB increase in long-term road traffic noise. While most epidemiological studies address cardiovascular effects of long-term exposure to transportation noise, there is a need to better understand whether noise exposure also acts as a trigger for cardiovascular events and how the timing of noise exposure modulates this response. Experimental studies have shown acute responses to environmental noise on different physiological responses, such as endothelial dysfunction, hypertension and sleep quality. In a clinical research article, Does Nighttime Aircraft Noise Trigger Mortality? A case crossover study on 24,886 cardiovascular deaths, Martin Rusli from the University of Basel in Switzerland and colleagues note that it's unclear whether nighttime noise events, including from aeroplanes, could trigger a cardiovascular death. In the study, authors investigated the potential acute effects of aircraft noise on mortality and the specific role of different nighttime exposure windows in 24,886 cases of death from CVD from the Swiss national cohort around Zurich Airport between 2000 and 2015. For nighttime deaths, exposure levels of two hours preceding death were significantly associated with mortality for all causes of CVD, odds ratio equaling 1.44. 1.03 to 2.04 for the highest exposure group. Most consistent associations were observed for CHD, myocardial infarction, heart failure and arrhythmias. Associations were more pronounced for females and for people living in areas with low road and railway background noise and in buildings constructed before 1970. Rusli et al. conclude that their findings suggest that nighttime aircraft noise can trigger acute cardiovascular mortality. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Andreas Deiber and colleagues from the University Medical Center in Mainz in Germany. The authors note that the study by Rusli et al. describes for the first time acute effects of noise on cardiovascular mortality, indicating that aircraft noise is a trigger for fatal acute coronary events. They conclude that there is now substantial evidence that aircraft noise is a cardiovascular risk factor that cannot be modified by patients or doctors, but rather by politicians and cardiovascular societies reinforcing, for example, the new noise limits published in the WHO guidelines concerning road, aircraft and railway noise. Atrial fibrillation, or AF, is one of the most commonly diagnosed arrhythmias 
However, data remains scarce regarding its epidemiology in Europe. Despite innovations in AF treatment, ranging from anticoagulation to ablation, previous studies have shown a global increase in AF-associated mortality in the last 20 years. In a clinical research article entitled Paradoxical Impact of Socioeconomic Factors on Outcome of Atrial Fibrillation in Europe Trends in Incidence and Mortality from Atrial Fibrillation Musrik Al-Khayat from the St. George's University Hospital NHS Foundation Trust in London, the United Kingdom, and colleagues aim to understand the changing trends in atrial fibrillation or AF incidence and mortality across Europe from 1990 to 2017, and how socioeconomic factors and sex differences play a role. The authors performed a temporal analysis of data from the 2017 Global Burden of Disease Database for 20 countries across Europe, using joint point regression analysis and present age-adjusted incidence mortality and mortality-to-incidence ratio, or MIRs. Incidence and mortality trends were heterogeneous throughout Europe. Mortality rates were higher in wealthier countries, with the highest being Sweden for both men and women, 8.83 and 8.88 per 100,000 respectively, in 2017. MIRs were higher in women in all studied countries, with a disparity increasing over time, mostly in Germany. The authors conclude that their study identifies several key findings. Firstly, the rates of change of incident and mortality are heterogeneous throughout Europe, with some nations faring better than others over the 28 years studied, with a significantly higher mortality in countries above the mean European gross domestic product per capita. Secondly, mortality attributable to AF per case, or at least its approximation in the form of MIR, has not improved over time, and in many nations is actually increasing, despite apparent advances in AF care. Thirdly, MIRs are higher in women than men in all countries studied, with some nations faring worse than others in terms of this sex disparity. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Isabel van Gelder from the University Medical Centre in Groningen in the Netherlands. In their commentary, the authors note that the study by Musrik Al-Khayat and colleagues is a call for more research in individual European countries and more multinational studies, including Western and Eastern European countries, like is currently being done in the STEER-AF and EHRA PATHS trial. Individuals with low socio-economic status, or SES, face widespread prejudice in society. Patients with higher SES appear to be more likely to receive bystander cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, which might partly explain the positive overall relationship between SES and survival after OHCA. Whether there are SES disparities in relation to in-hospital cardiac arrest, or IHCA, however, is unclear. In a clinical research article entitled Discriminatory Cardiac Arrest Care, patients with low socioeconomic status receive delayed cardiopulmonary resuscitation and are less likely to survive an in-hospital cardiac arrest. Jens Agerström from the Linnaeus University in Kalmar, Vecchio in Sweden and colleagues examine SES disparities in IHCA treatment and survival assessing SES at the patient level and adjusting for major demographic, clinical and contextual factors. 
about 24,000 IHCAs from the Swedish Registry of Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation were analysed. Education and income constituted SES proxies, controlling for age, gender, ethnicity, comorbidities, heart rhythm, etiology, hospital and year, Primary analyses showed that high versus low SES patients were significantly less likely to receive delayed CPR. Furthermore, patients with high SES were significantly more likely to survive CPR, to survive to hospital discharge with good neurological outcome, and to survive to 30 days. Secondary analysis showed that patients with high SES were also significantly more likely to receive prophylactic heart rhythm monitoring and this seems to partially explain the observed SES differences in CPR delay. Agastrum and colleagues conclude that there are clear SES differences in IHCA treatment and survival, even when controlling for major socio-demographic, clinical and contextual factors. This suggests that patients with low SES could be subject to discrimination when suffering IHCA. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Elias Mosaelos and Sahan Jayawadana from the London School of Economics and Political Science in the United Kingdom. The authors conclude that closing the gaps in life expectancy between the different social groups in Europe and worldwide will require us once more to align our economic and moral concerns and address the societal conditions that generate health disparities in the first place. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.